Welcome to the Idle Book Club for April 2016. I'm Chris Remo. I'm Sarah Argadale. And this month, we are discussing Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. Uh, Sarah, this is a book that you were aware of and, and suggested. Why did you suggest it? I was just looking for something that seemed kind of interesting that we could read that was available in paperback. Yeah. Uh, and this book was published in 2014 and just a notable book of that year. And I read the synopsis of it, which is that a young girl in Ohio is found dead one morning. And then the, the book itself is about the fallout of this teenage girl's death. And the thing that was interesting to me initially, at least from the synopsis, was that the young girl in question is half Chinese, half Caucasian, which is not the norm in these dead girl right. stories. And yeah, it's a very iconic dead white girl kind of image that you associate with this kind of thing. Right. And so I was hoping that this book would be in a different, interesting take on a very, very well-trodden trope in fiction. And I think it was successful in some parts and in other parts not successful. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, I will also point out... Um, that this is another book we have read about a marriage that has <laughs> disastrous elements in it. Um, I don't think we mentioned this in the last podcast, but we mentioned it in the previous one to this, I, to that. I think we actually got married um, now about, what, two months ago? Um, so this has been funny reading all these books about like catastrophic domestic life mm-hmm. in light of that. Although this book, in comparison to... Fates and Furies. I mean, people who thought Fates and Furies was ridiculous. I actually found parts of this book to be a little bit... This book was not larger than life in the way uh, Fates and Furies is, but it does have... So maybe we can can talk about this as as the first sort of point. Um, This book felt very overplotted to me. just in the sense, so there were things I liked about this book. So maybe it's not good to start with a negative thing, but I, but I, I, you know, since we, since it came up, um, everything in this book, a lot of what was in this book felt very lock and key to me and that everyone's motivations had an extremely straightforward one-to-one connection to like a childhood experience or to a comment made by a parent or to like the wrong look they were given. And essentially almost every action in this book that someone takes can be very directly connected to in a, in a cause and effect kind of way that on the one hand, it's definitely true that people internalize all of the things that happen to them and that affects their lives and actions. But on the other hand, it actually ended up sort of decreasing what I think was intended to be the complexity of the inner life of this girl. I mean, by the end of the book, um, there's much made about how no one else in this girl's life and Lydia's life, her parents, her, her siblings, you know, her people she knew at school really understood her uh, in any true way. And it, and like, they just couldn't figure out what's going on in her head, except that the book goes to so many pains to explain every single reason she did everything that it actually really detracted from the sense that there was something unknowable and complex going on up there. Um, it just made it sound like everyone just like it. It made it shrunk the possibility space in a way that was unsatisfying to me. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting point about how 
every action having a very concrete and easy to trace consequence to it does kind of undermine the fact that no one in Lydia's life could see that she was in so much pain. Um, The book is trying to have two, two things, right? It's both trying to demonstrate the fact that it is basically impossible to ever really know what another person Mm -hmm. is feeling, but then it's also trying to be a very tightly plotted story. And I think it needed to give on one of those. Yeah, I agree. Um, So one thing I thought the book that did, did do successfully and was the part of the book I enjoyed the most was the relationship between the parents, Mm -hmm. especially their younger relationship. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I kind of wanted every time it switched back to that, to their younger years, I was really excited. Well, the best part of the book, in in my opinion, is the part where Marilyn leaves James when the children are very young. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. So was it convincing to you that she would leave without any word and and not... Yes, given everything that they've set up about her. uh, So I guess that section of the book starts with introducing both Marilyn and James when they were younger. And you find out what in their experience is motivating them as adults. And so you find out about Marilyn being raised by a single mother whose father left for unknown reasons when she was very young and her mother taught home ec and was very much putting pressure on Marilyn to be a perfect housewife. And we should say that this book takes place in the seventies. So Marilyn is a young woman in the forties and the fifties. So definitely an era when there were not as many options for young women. And we find out that Marilyn is this very intelligent, very motivated person who has an interest in science and becoming a doctor at a time when it was very, very uncommon for women to enter that kind of profession. And her mother definitely is pushing against that. And just everything in society is kind of pushing against that. And then she meets James, who is this Chinese professor or descendant of Chinese immigrants who is also dealing with a lot of unfortunate social pressures because he's not a a white man and they fall in love in part because they're both, you know, quote unquote, different from everyone else in the society around them. And it's interesting that what James sees in Marilyn is an escape from being different. And what Marilyn is hoping for is the opportunity to be different. Yeah. So they want, they both come together for similar reasons, but then their expectations mm-hmm. of what their relationship will be is, is very different. And it's very clear that neither of them really discussed that fact. And so... Is that believable to you that that went undiscussed for so long? Yeah, especially given the time period, okay. right? Um, and, and I went back and forth on that. Um, so I could understand a woman in Marilyn's position where she's had to sacrifice so much for her husband and her family 
to leave in that way. That that part was really not that surprising to me. Okay. And, and and in fact, I felt completely sympathetic to I th- her. I felt sympathetic, but I also, I wasn't, and, I, and I'm not saying that I think this is implausible because I know better. I just don't know. I don't know if I think it's plausible that she wouldn't send a letter or wouldn't do any, wouldn't make contact of any kind. I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. To be fair, she was only gone for a couple of months because yeah. she she quickly discovers that. So she leaves so that she can go back to school. Yeah. We find out that when she married James, she never got to finish her college right. degree. And so she she leaves her family so that she can... Yeah. Um, and she's really only away for a couple of months because she finds out she's pregnant and that kind of yeah. like put the final nail in in the coffin of her freedom essentially well and sort of jolted her back into all the responsibilities that she mm-hmm. has whether they were the ones that she would have originally intended or not right yeah. so it's totally possible that if she had been able to stay away for a longer period of time that she would have broken down and and made contact yeah. with her family i i can't imagine she's the kind of person who would desert her family for the rest of her life right that doesn't mm-hmm. seem likely um so uh but but yeah that was very sympathetic it was interesting reading this as someone who who's you know i had my parents were the son of immigrants and the daughter of a very sort of i think similar upbringing to um to Maryland's single mother growing up in a rural or, or, you know, a sort of very traditional household. Um, and it's, it was really interesting to me how many of these sort of um, insecurities and conflicting motivations I could see there. The big difference obviously being uh, in my case, well, not obvious if you're listening to this, but obvious if you could see me right now that, you know, both of my parents were white. And so that component had did not, come into play at all and that that's a and that was something that i thought was that element was really heartbreaking throughout the book and i cannot speak from experience about this so i don't know if it feels true to someone who can but it was very very convincing to me um one of the you know one of the things that i thought was frustrating about this book sometimes is how many times a very classic situation this happens in a lot of fiction where any number of problems could be solved by someone just literally explaining something very quickly and easily and simply. Mm -hmm. And I think it's totally reasonable to have some instances of that because that does happen in life. But I think it it gets increasingly threadbare when the sort of the entire structure of the book is built on that, just um, compounding itself constantly for every character year after year. But the times when I did think it was very convincing were when they were about elements that in which the characters were from entirely different worlds to begin with. And and the best example I can think of that really hit me hard was during the wedding of James and Marilyn, when Marilyn's mother is looking at this, she doesn't understand at all why this has happened or, you know, why, what is, what is even happening really. And she sees James sort of pat his breast pocket and James, this is like a nervous tick James has that he's trying to, it's like, oh, do I still have the rings? And the way that I think anyone can relate to, right? When you're like under high stress and you're just constantly assuming everything's always wrong and you're making this little thing. And to her, she sees this as 
like a boastful gesture, like, look what I did. And that struck me as a really well-earned, really honest case of just deep, deep, deep misunderstanding that could not be smoothed over with a conversation because it, because it is evidence of these characters coming from such fundamentally different perspectives that, that you cannot build a bridge long enough. Or you maybe could, but it would be a lot of work. Um, and that moment was so crushing because the, you know, as with a lot of fiction of this type, there's that authorial voice that sometimes pops in to say, you know, and this is the last time Marilyn would ever see her, mo- see her mother. And so we know at that point, like that, that really is it. And, and that was the elements dealing with that dynamic were consistently effective to me and is one of the reasons that the parent's story was the most interesting part um, in my reading of the book. So moving on in the parent story, what do you make of the um, affair between James and his research assistant, whose name I cannot recall off the top of my head? I think it's Louisa. Louisa. Yeah, you're right. Um, I found that to be very, like, so expected as to be almost meaningless. What, mm-hmm. what, were your, what was your take? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty clear from the moment that character is introduced that yeah. there's going to be at least some kind of tension not tension. I mean, it's introduced with tension between her and James. It's it's pretty clear that there's going to be some action taken between those two. And it was kind of disappointing that the action turned out to be exactly what you would expect. The affair was most disappointing to me, though, because this book made such an effort to get the reader to sympathize with basically every major character who has an effect on the plot you know when when a character even when someone like Marilyn's mother is is doing something that is very very objectionable the reader is then later treated to the interior 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 thought of that character and so we can get some justification for why they're acting that way and even if we still don't agree with it we definitely have the opportunity to better sympathize with them louisa is the only major character in the novel who we never Mm. learn anything about we never know what her motivations are uh what her background is we know that she is also chinese or has Chinese heritage, which is something that draws James to her throughout the book. Um, because while he's looking for solace from his deteriorating family situation, but that's literally all of the details that we find out about her. She is just simply cast as the other woman. And there's a, a moment in the book where, Marilyn figures out what's going on. She figures out that this affair is happening and she goes to Louisa's apartment to confront Louisa and James, although James is hiding in the bedroom the entire time. And the way that that scene is written and the way that um, Louisa completely falls apart and in the triumphal nature of Marilyn's, to me, it just read like we are not meant to feel sorry in any way for Louisa, which is shocking in a book whose whole objective is to very, very painfully point out how we should be sympathetic to everyone because 
we can just not ever fully understand why other people are acting the way that they do. And we should try harder to give them the benefit of the doubt instead of just jumping to our own conclusions. Because when we jump to those conclusions, they can sometimes have disastrous effects. And so that's, to me, a a main theme of the book. But the book itself couldn't even carry that out um, with, you know, the other woman in this affair and so I was just very just sad and and disappointed by that and while I was reading it I was thinking that maybe this is just the result of a a widespread bias that people have against the the woman who sleeps with a married man um and I wonder if Celeste Ang when she was writing this character was even aware of the fact that she was kind of being completely unfair to Louisa. So on that note, I guess on the note of these, of the kind of um, very typical way that that stock character is often treated in fiction. um, I found it to be sort of infuriating for the the reasons you state. And just from the fact that we've seen it so many times, right. And especially modern television in fiction, it's just such a common device. Um, It kind of, justified itself for me a little bit when it ends up serving as this like ultimate expression of James James's like really horrible increasing suspicion that perhaps he should have married a different kind of woman in the first place and perhaps trying to marry outside of what you know he like he sees as the prescribed root for him was always just a fatal mistake. And it's like this really horrible moment where it's like, Oh my God, like, I don't want that to be his, the conclusion he's drawing from this. Like what a gross thing. And then the, the novel itself sort of says, acknowledges this is always how the man feels in this situation. And the sort of deflating of the notion that maybe there, there is some like cosmic more important reason for this to have happened kind of sold it for me only because the way that he convinced himself or sort of half convinced himself of the like actual justification for this affair is so, is so closely tied to all of these insecurities that the book has been building on for years, you know, for in fiction time, years and years and years and years. And then to just like prick the pin in it and completely explode it by just saying, this man, these men will always find like the reason to say this is always what they tell themselves. Yeah, I, I think I still, I think I would disagree with that. And saying that another problem that I had with this subplot is the fact that it is so cliched, and even this idea that men will always cheat for X reason, and women will always cheat for why reason seems so reductive to me. It- so I don't think it was saying they will always cheat for that reason. I think it was saying that in this situation, it is so common for the man to think, oh, this is who, this is the kind of woman I should have married all along, discarding the idea that had he done that, he would probably, in this similar situation, he would just be saying that about a different different kind of person. Yeah, I for, for me it's that still doesn't make me feel any better about any part of this. I guess because I don't 
want to believe in something so general. And I guess another thing is that maybe the the novel's voice comes to that conclusion, but I'm not really convinced that James, I mean, he ultimately decides to stay with Marilyn, so he he must believe that there's something mm-hmm. right in that relationship, yeah, but I I'm I'm not entirely sure if he himself realizes how his how flimsy his justifications are. No, I think are. that's why it wasn't his interior voice that came to that conclusion, but rather this external voice. So it it's disappointing to me in that way that this man never has to really confront. Um well, what was your overall? Are you glad you read this book? Are you did you come away overall with a positive impression of it? Um I don't think I would ever say there are very few books that I could honestly say that I regret sure. reading. So no, I don't regret reading this book. It was enjoyable and pretty quick to read for the most part. I get the sense that this is the kind of book that I will be forgetting <laughs> fairly soon. Sure. Um, it's just very... It's very inoffensive and and very similar to a lot of modern literary fiction. The only thing that it had going for it really is this race component, but I get the sense that was never meant to be the main focus of the story. It was just meant to be another little... Well, set aside what, what you suspect it may or may not have meant to be, given what the book actually was, was that effective for you because it was extremely effective for me that part someone on the forums made i think a very smart observation which was that the author of this book seemed to shy away from very overtly dealing with race issues maybe because she didn't want the book to be a a book about race necessarily, which I could com- completely understand. The author of this book is also Chinese American, and I could see why no one would want to be pigeonholed as the the so, author. So could you substantiate that? Because I'm not sure. I like what what are the why don't what's I an example think, of a pulled punch that you think in this book? Or so the way that the racism was presented f- felt kind of superficial to me. Um, So this book is set in the 70s and in a town where this family is the only Chinese family around. Um, And there are some hints of the isolation that you could imagine the children and James feeling for not looking like they're white neighbors and and then there throughout the book there are little anecdotes about the racism that they have to deal with but all of those examples are very it's like comical racism which i know ha- would have happened then and what do you mean by comical racism um where there's like a scene where the family is driving away from school and a bunch of school tr- children are um making like slant eyes with their their fingers to um to mock them um somebody at one point speaks and in like fake 
Chinese to to make fun of how Chinese sounds stuff stuff like that which are and and again I'm not trying to deny that things like this don't happen I I know that they do happen but when those are really the main forms of racism that this book tracks in it's it feels very very superficial to me um you don't think that racism affected james's career or affected the ability of those children to feel at home and make friends i mean they're all they all essentially lead isolated social lives james career was clearly kneecapped for no particular good reason other than his race how much more impactful would you want that to be like i wish that there was a deeper examination of how that isolation was affecting them um or i wish that the more overt examples of racism could have been replaced with more examination on how isolated everyone was feeling see for me i thought that the book provided me enough material that i was i was able to sort of extrapolate that and feel it fairly strongly. well i guess the the so what I would say to that is that this is a book that really spells everything out for you. It it does not trade in any way in subtlety except in in that instance. And I I wish that there had been more of a direct discussion. There there's one instance um in the book where Lydia is talking about how she can go about her day thinking that she is normal and then there are these moments of clarity that she'll have where she kind of looks around and realizes that she she's different from all these other girls and and she is reminded that actually no she's not you know normal she's different in this way um and that that passage was really really beautiful and affecting to me because it's that's such a insightful way to talk about any difference that people could possibly have not just racial difference um but i'm i'm sure that a lot of people can understand that kind of sensation the problem is is that that was one moment in the book and i wish that there had been more moments like that that's fair enough i suppose i don't think i feel the same way but i but i can see where you're coming from so one question that i had for you is do you think that Lydia's death was accidental or do you think that she really did commit suicide? I I don't know. I think it, if anything, it's maybe both at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that she was trying to sort of let go of all of these things that were pulling her in all these different directions in her life. And I think she, in her determination to let go, she let go to such a degree that she also sort of just let herself be succumbed, uh, succumbed. I never know how to pronounce that word. Um, so yeah, I think it, it was, I, I would maybe stop short of calling it a sort of intentional suicide, but if not that, then just shy of it, maybe is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the book up until the very end allows you to believe that her death has was intentional and then you In, intentional on her own part or intentional right. on someone else's part on on her okay. well i guess you there's probably room in the beginning for for people to i think there definitely is i think for me anyway that 
that was a reasonable mm-hmm. suspicion for quite a while through the book. Right. And then eventually you start to think, oh, okay, this this must this girl was clearly very, very unhappy. So this yeah. must have been an intentional suicide. And then um, you are finally treated to the moment when Lydia goes out onto the lake and, and you find out so that, you know, Lydia doesn't know how to swim and, and you find out that she deliberately went in the water with the intention of swimming to shore as kind of a rebirth for yeah. herself. And then that's, you know, she, she fails and, and she dies. And the way that it is presented in the book, I kind of thought that we are meant to take that as literal, that it was an accident and she did not want to die. But I agree with your interpretation. And I think that's a much better way to look at this um having it be the fact that her entire family has finally accepted that no she really did commit suicide and then only to find out that wait a minute it it was accidental she didn't want to die i think is you know talk about this book being overly written that is way way too perfect of an ending for for me to really want to buy it so i i agree with so i guess here i guess that leads into my overall um sort of appraisal of this book i think that this book had a lot of really good ideas in it and a lot of really valuable insights and i think that maybe there was just too much of everything mm-hmm. too much of all of those things for its own good to the point that the book essentially repeatedly made the same point and made the same observation. Um, and you know, you were, you were saying you had some, some issues with the, uh, sort of a perceived lack of depth of treatment of the racial component that these, that these characters had to deal with. And, you know, I mean, we differ on that a little bit, but maybe one of the things you're responding to is that the book simply had too much volume such that the like density of those observations was, was stretched too thin. Mm -hmm. And I I think I could probably say the same of the three children as well. Um, I think that the feelings of alienation that, um, that Lydia had, I think I basically, I buy them as, you know, being a teenager who is saddled with, unconsidered expectations on the part of part of her parents. Um, I mean, that's something that I can relate to in the dumb way that like anyone can, you know, her, obviously in her case, there were, there were other factors that made it more complicated. Um, And, you know, that stuff just passed a point. Like we sort of, we get it right. Like we get it after it's been expressed enough. And you could say a very similar thing about Nathan. Um, Hannah almost doesn't even become a character until basically at the end of the book. And when she does become a character, I think she's a pretty decent character, but she's existed for like, you know, essentially 200 pages of being essentially nothing before she gets to actually express any of that. Yeah. Is that just because to the rest of her family, though, she is essentially? Yeah. I mean, mean, maybe we we find out eventually. So when she's introduced, we find out that. She, she's definitely the the runt of the family. Yeah, she was an unplanned pregnancy. Right. Well, that's what we right. yeah. and and when you find out that Hannah is the pregnancy that Marilyn had that that forced her to right. r- return, you 
can kind of understand why she's so cold to her youngest child, but then also it's, that's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that moment of of reconciliation that that Hannah and her yeah. her mother have at the end, I thought was one of the more moving parts I, I agree. of that the was, book. That was very touching. Yeah, um, and I and I should say uh, that speak because you brought up the the three children. Another thing about this book that I think was such a great idea is that we actually got to follow. Lydia, instead of just having all of the other characters explain Lydia or discover things about Lydia, we, we, she got to take action in the story, even though she was dead at the beginning, Mm -hmm. which is very rare in these stories that center around dead girls. Usually the girl in question is dead and is very, very passive. And right. well, the, the character story. ends up serving as a vessel for right. like, if you look at twin peaks or something, right. That Laura Palmer ends up sort of being a vessel for all of the weird uh, simmering problems and d- dark mm-hmm. darknesses that the town has. Mm-hmm. In this case, it sort of starts out that way, except instead of the town, just for the family. I mean, this is an intentionally smaller piece, um, but it spends a long time you know, in that mode before we get to the point where, oh, she's basically just a teenager who people are, you know, actually in a, in a very conscious way during her actual life, laying too many of their own expectations and mm-hmm. complexes onto, not just after her death. And so that, that further, this is a very, this is a trite observation and something people say all the time about books and movies and whatever. So I, you know, I almost hesitate to say so, but maybe if this book were 50% shorter it could some you know we we could have gotten these more concentrated elements of these characters that are successful um without having to wade through so much of the the repetition of it this is already not that long a book to begin with i wish it was longer honestly oh really <laughs> yeah one of one of the rare instances where i wish a book had had more time to develop. I think mostly... I think it did have more time to develop. It just didn't use it very well. Well, you had mentioned before, and I think this is really true, that this book had too many ideas in not enough space to... No, I think it's the opposite. I think that the book had really good ideas mm-hmm. and didn't and had a lot of space that it could have been fleshing them out in. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, I think that with the number... with. With the amount of time we spend with these characters, I think there could have been less um, wheel spinning, I suppose. But this is, again, I really hesitate to offer that kind of feedback because it's so sort of speculative and like mm-hmm. armchair quarterbacking. Like, what do I know, right? Um, that's that's a sort of off-the-cuff You just know how it, it reads, which yeah, yeah. I I see what you're saying about um, how it, it got kind of repetitive at parts. Yeah. Um well, was it, this was Celestine's debut novel, right? Um, I'm actually not yes, really sure. It is, okay, it is, yes. So, so that, that's interesting. She hasn't written anything since then, has no, she? No, I don't believe so because this book came out in 2014. So okay, I can't yeah. imagine that she and has. I think she spent six years writing this. Yeah. So. Um, so I would be. This is definitely an author who I will be interested in in reading her her later novels. You know, you asked me if I my reaction to to reading this book and and I want to underscore again the fact that um I, I definitely do not read 
regret reading this book in, mm-hmm. in any way. And I was really happy to see on the forums a lot of people mentioning how this is not uh, a book that they would have, well, for one, had had ever heard of um, or would have sought out. And um, I'm glad that we had this chance to read it. And yeah. speaking of the forums, there's actually something oh, great. that I want to. So uh, this, I'm just going to read a section of this post from a man named James R. Cole. Uh, so this is coming in halfway through his response to this book. On a personal note, I, like the children in the book, am half Chinese, half Caucasian, and this was the first book that I've read with characters with that racial background. It was interesting for me to see about the racism that James, his parents, and the children came up against. I live in Australia and was born the year after the novel is set. There was a fair amount of racism towards Asian people in Australia when I was growing up, but much less these days. But in my case, I don't look that Chinese, so many people didn't even realize I have an Asian heritage, which meant that I didn't get much racism directed towards me personally, but I was pretty aware of the racism that did go on and was in the weird situation where people would make racist statements about Asian people in my presence, where presumably they didn't know I had that background. Huh. Yeah. I mean, to that end, that's why, I think maybe one of the reasons why some of the, I think even just having those experiences portrayed in this book, you know, was already valuable because I, it is, this is a particular um, ethnic background that is not very well explored in American fiction. Um, The African-American experience has been explored at great length and rightfully so given, you know, given what a huge, like just massive part of American history and, and the present it is. Um, but Asian American life is definitely feels sort of invisible. I mean, I, I grew up in a town where pretty much all, not all, but I would say 80% of my friends were of Asian descent. Um, so I was, it was growing up, it would not have occurred to me that it, that it was so rare until now, you know, now I, 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 don't have that same experience. And it is kind of crazy how, how little that experience is represented in the culture at large. And so for that reason, I kind of think this book is valuable just for that component. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, my earlier objections to this, I wasn't trying to say that. No, no, I understand. Um, I just wish that the book had, had pushed farther in that, direction um but but yeah you're right i mean i think it's um that that was what initially drew me to this book and i'm i'm glad to have read something yeah like it i mean i I think this is an author who i would be interested to read as she grows into sort of the role of novelist and you know this is a one of the, the first things i said about this book is that it felt a little too um, constructed to me in the sense that all the motivations are very directly connected to um, precipitating events in, in a in a way that was so tidy that I that I found it sort of overbearing. And nonetheless, as I also said later, I think this novel has a lot of good ideas in it and a lot of good observations to make about people. And I would be really interested to read more from this author. Maybe if 
I wouldn't, I don't know anything about being a novelist, but I would imagine it's probably pretty easy if you come out of a writing program to feel like, you know, you're, you're writing your first novel and you feel like it really has to, everything has to fit and everything mm-hmm. has to make sense because you don't, you know, who knows? Like, is anyone going to like this? I don't know. I better make sure everything is, is all put together. And I don't know if that's true or not. That's me talking out of my ass, but I, I could also imagine that as you grow into that role and you start to, the, you novels are maybe governed more by intuition and less by conscious structure. Um, I would be interested to read more from this author, you know, as she develops. Yeah. So that was Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng. Um, Our next book that we're going to be reading this month for discussion in our May podcast is The Man in the High Castle by Philip K. Dick, um, which should be fun. That's sort of a departure from the kind of stuff we've been reading um, we chose that book because we watched the pilot episode of the Amazon series based on the man in the high castle and weren't super taken by it, but the idea of sort of an alternate history dominated by a successful Axis uh, powers post-World War II was, was interesting. And we'd heard good things about the novel that it was based on. So that's what we're reading. The man in the high castle by Philip K. Dick. And, um, you can discuss what we've been reading with other listeners to this podcast on the forums, the Idle Book Club forums at idlethumbs.net. If you click the forums link at the top of the page, uh, there's a subforum for this podcast. There was a really great discussion about everything I never told you. Um, there have been really good discussions f- around all the books we've read so far, and I expect there will continue to be so with Man in the High Castle. So, um, yeah, go over there, check it out. If you want to send us email, you can do so at books at idlethumbs.net. And you can find our website at idlebookclub.com. So thanks for listening. I'm Chris Remo. Oh, uh, I'm Sarah Argadale. And uh, we'll talk to you next month. Bye.